This is a LocoCast Special Edition, live from PyCon 2011. Hello everybody and welcome to a first episode of Remote Rick. I'm remote on location down in Atlanta, Georgia for the 2011 PyCon conference. It's a conference all about Python, the programming language, which if you're a listener of the show, you know we love. Anyways, I wanted to kind of give my day one recap. Holy crap, is it a recap? Basically, the day began, it kept going, and I think I'm going to wrap it up after this because I'm exhausted. Let's start out by talking about how the day started. I actually started the day with some hacking. I got down a little bit early and was working on some code for work that I've been wanting to put together. And I was trying out a couple of new things. I was uh, trying out Python context managers, which is uh, something that kind of came up in some talks here. And uh, it was kind of cool. I got to my first context manager to work, which is using the with keyword in Python. You can use it in 2.5 or later. And since work stuff's gotten to be where I can pretty much count on Python 2.5 or later, I decided to go ahead and, and try to use this. I've been putting it off because it wasn't too for safe, but we don't care about 240 and we're moving on. Anyways, so I got that done and I, I just managed to push it out before the actual conference began. And it started off with Steve Holden giving kind of a state of Python as the chairman uh, of the Python Software Foundation. Basically, the summary seemed to be, ooh, we had a rough road and some rough financial times in the down market there, but things are going pretty good right now. What was awesome was that Jesse Noller got up after that and they gave the PyPy group a $10,000 big giant paper check, which was kind of cool. Um, PyPy, if you don't know, it's an alternative implementation of Python, the language. There's, you know, there's CPython, there's Jython, there's, um, IronPython in the .NET world. And PyPy is a, I guess, is a way to try to do Python on Python itself. So uh, interesting to see that the, the project was, is, um, got some attention. They got a nice big check to keep going. And, uh, it's kind of a big thing at the conference right now. There's a lot of talk about PyPy going forward. I know some of the things we're talking about, uh, you know, web and WSGI on PyPy versus on CPython and stuff like that. So kind of interesting, and so way to go, guys, and congrats on the fund. After that, the conference kind of got going with the keynote address. The keynote was from Hillary Mason from Bitly, and Bitly is a URL shortening service, and she had a few really interesting points and nice things to say. Obviously, some nice things to say about Python. Uh, they seem to use it a lot and really like it. And uh, Bitly is a fairly popular site. And it was kind of interesting because I, I love her uh, line that, uh, you know, URL shortening is easy. You know, you just take a URL and you give it a little short, unique name. Says, but when you go to scale it, now that's hard. And that's what she quote uh, called, quote, a wicked hard problem. And evidently that's some kind of Boston reference or something. Um, she brought up an interesting uh, book, Snow Crash, which had been on my wish list for some time to kind of check out as a highly rated um, you know, sci-fi tech book. And she brought that up as something that you should definitely read. The idea that programmers, as you program, your brain kind of can kind of grow differently than other people's. And you see problems and you, you think of just things differently because your brain has grown accustomed to working in a certain way. She compared it to cab drivers and they could actually show that after several years of driving a cab, different parts of their brain had actually grown and they actually approach those kinds of um, mapping problems and things much differently. So interesting uh, kind of idea there. I, I like the idea that, you know, because I know sometimes you, you I look at something and I see it one way. Someone else will look at it and see it a different way. Um, so it, very, very interesting point. She also had a really nice graph I loved, which was a, a graph of 
of Stack Overflow questions tagged Python, along with like the amount of GitHub code uh, tagged Python, and you could just see this this nice line of how popular Python's getting over the last several years. And and what's nice was that you know Stack Overflow is a lot of questions, beginners, maybe people coming into it. But um, the actual GitHub, the actual project, actual amount of code out there is growing as well. So kind of cool to see that the community as a whole growing real nicely. Um, she brought up some points about, you know, she asked people what their favorite Python constructs were. The with statement, um, you know, context managers were one of them. Generators were. She asked the crowd to guess, and uh, white space was a big one, which was hilarious because she brought up how when she first got into Python, she thought the white space was just ridiculous and, and crazy, but uh, you kind of grow to love it. And I definitely can agree with that boat. I have definitely come to love my white space in Python. But the actual winner was list comprehensions. Everyone loves list comprehensions. And she was showing how there was this project back in the 60s that basically had the same, you know, language construct as our list comprehensions back then in code called Settle Code, S-E-T-L. And then she actually brought up how there was this uh, mathematics books from the 1700s that actually had the general idea of list comprehensions in there. So it's kind of funny how... These ideas uh, have, you know, the idea for something we love in our language today came about, you know, 50, 60, or even hundreds of years ago. And she posed the question, what things do we come up with right now will be uh, used and define the languages we use going into the, you know, far into the future? Which is an interesting thought. Like, you know, I, I know I tend to think about my problem set now, but uh, it's interesting to think about what, what will change and what will happen going forward. So that brought up the point of what is next. And basically, you know, obviously at Bitly, they deal with a boatload of data. And her point was that, you know what, what's next is data. And and not just, you know, data like a database where you can go through and you can iterate through it and loop through it, but real-time data. We're talking data that you, you only see for a brief instant of time as you get to do something with it as it streams by. And later on, I went to some, you know, talks about, you know, Hadoop and some things like that where it's kind of interesting that you kind of get, you get a shot to, you know, MapReduce, or you get a shot to apply something to this data that, that's meaningful to you to summarize it, and then it goes by, you know, and, and out. So um, it was actually very, very timely because she brought up the example, you know, um, how there's the recent tsunami situation in uh, Japan, and a lot of the links that are coming up that were, you know, immensely popular right now have to do with, with that situation. And so she, that was kind of a point that, uh, you know, this data mining isn't just for what kind of cool memes are out there, but actual meaningful things that affect the world today. So a very good start to the uh, conference. Um, she spoke very, very well and, uh, you know, makes me actually, you know, want to go check out Bitly some more. I don't tend to use it for my URL shortening needs, but interesting things they're doing. And uh, the fact that they have access to this, you know, large swath of data uh, is, is very cool. So my first talk I went to was a talk on the mock tool or a package, which was from Michael Ford or Void Space on IRC and um, Twitter. He uh, works for Canonical, and uh, we're actually going hopefully going to have an interview with him later in the uh, sprints in a few days. So keep an eye out for that. And mock is just a library to do just that. It's to do uh, create mocks and unit testing. And I started to use this at work, and I really really like it. And it's great because it's made me, it's helped me get. Uh, more tests done. I, I find I've written more tests and able to test more things with using mock than I could without. And it brought up this really good point. I really love his his uh, line in here was basically that, you know, don't don't go too crazy with mocking. Don't go mocking overboard. If, if mocking is causing you pain in your test, you've, you've gone too far, you're doing something wrong. Um, and I think that's a good point. You know, you use these tools to help make life easier. 
Um, that's make them more difficult because you're trying to to keep to this, you know, I must mock everything level of, of, of things. So I find that I've, I've started out that way and I want to make sure I keep that in the back of my head that, um, that you know, mocking is a tool to aid me and not for my not, not for me to beat my head against. And he just wanted to talk a lot about his uh, new release, 0.7 is out, and it has some nice new features, so go check it out, including a great magic mock me- um, ability, which will help you mock out objects with magic methods, the the under, underscore methods, which was very handy because I just got through writing the thing with the uh, with statement with the context manager, and that is, you know, you implement that using under underscore next and underscore, um, oh, I forget what the other one is, close or final or something like that. And so I can use mock and this new magic mock tool to help me write my tests for that. So I have tests, but they're not probably as good as they could be. And I could be using magic mock to, to test it further. So very, very cool. Next up, I went to a talk from Sauce Labs. These guys do um, browser testing. Basically, you, you work with them so that you can test your app across uh, gobs and gobs of servers that are running various uh, distros, um, OSs and uh, web browsers so you can test uh, loads and you can test um, uh, browser rendering and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, It was supposed to be extreme talk and I was kind of disappointed because I didn't really feel like it got very extreme. Um, But he did talk about some interesting things that, you know, for them, their goal is to get 100 machines up in one minute to do their test and to throw it away. Um, They are using some stuff with OpenStack and there's a couple of URLs he gave out that I need to look up further that hopefully they'll they'll give me a little bit more meat than that I was looking for. Um, I'll have them in some kind of notes at some point in time. But he did talk about using Vagrant, which is a Ruby tool that is an API on top of VirtualBox. And he goes, even though it's Ruby, it's okay, forgive it, because it is an awesome API on top of VirtualBox. And he showed how easy it was to kind of get a quick VirtualBox machine up and running with it. So... Uh, overall, there wasn't a lot of well, I would call anything extreme to the talk, but it's something that I'm interested in. I, I know we're looking to try to play some cloud stuff at work, so um, it gives me a couple of links to go check out. So we'll see how it goes. Next up, I went to the state of Pylons web frameworks, and this is something I'm very involved with because we use Pylons at work, and that um, I've been closely following the Pyramid Frameworks arrival and the merger there of uh, Repose.bfg and Pylons and hopefully Turbo Gears. Um, they've committed to, you know, some kind of work, but we don't know really what that work's going to be yet. The t-shirt stole the show. They have a new t-shirt design out there and supposedly you can find it by Googling pyramid built by aliens t-shirt. So, um, that was really the hit. Um, not a lot of, uh, news out of there because I followed it, but I did want to go and kind of, you know, check it out. I wanted to meet some of the, uh, developers, which was kind of cool. Um, supposedly, uh, you know, Chris and Ben from the pylons and repose.bfg side are going to sit down and, uh, we'll have an interview with them later on in the conference during the sprints in a few days as well. So that should be fun. One thing to do, keep an eye out that I thought was interesting is someone was asking about behavior driven testing with your web app. And um, Ben has been working on or with a package called Lettuce-WebDriver, which basically is a Selenium tool that lets you write behavior-driven tests, which are interesting because you can hopefully, in theory, write them with the uh, stakeholders in a project that aren't the developers, you know, that the teams higher up. Um, And that should be interesting. I'll have to check that out. Uh, what was next? I went up to the Backup is Hard talk, which was given by Gary Bernhardt, who I had seen and met down at CodeMash, and I believe at Pi, Ohio. A really good guy. He's uh, definitely knows his stuff. 
the talk was kind of a retrospective about his um, business that they had at one time, Bitbacker, which he's going to be open sourcing a couple bits of code that came out of that. Unfortunately, it was hilarious because he wanted to have it open sourced for the talk, but the names he had for the projects were both taken and he couldn't use them. So there was some uh, time to petition for uh, your ideas for the, the the names for those two projects. But it was interesting to see how over a three-year course of period that you know that they worked on this product, they worked on uh, had some beta testers, some of the problems they were trying to solve, um, and really uh, it was it was an interesting talk. There wasn't like you know something that really come out of there going, oh, I learned this new thing or that. But um, it was a really, it was a good talk and uh, something to keep in mind when you're working on your own projects, just to kind of uh, keep track of how, how they've, how they come, you know, how they've come along and where you've come from and, uh, you know, keep an eye on that where you're going kind of thing. Uh, next up was a talk on MR Job, which is uh, short for MapReduce. It's a framework for running MapReduce. Um, I don't know what the proper term for that is. I was going to say functions, but basically for running MapReduce against large data sets in order to, you know, gather meaningful data out. Uh, they're using it at Yelp to do a lot of data crunching about the people, you know, links people click on and all that. Seemed like it was good in their advertising side to go through and figure out click-through rates and things based on their giganto log files of uh, web, da- web request data. Um, it was kind of cool because it, it's something that you can run against. Uh, Amazon seems has a uh, tool for running Hadoop clusters on Amazon. So you kind of get an API and a tool just to kind of say, you know what, Amazon, give me a Hadoop cluster, and I would like you to use this large swath of data, and here's uh, some functions to run, and just go run all the map and reduce functions, and when you're done, let me know and give me back my output. So I'm curious to try this out. I know we do a lot of number crunching at work. I don't know how much of it would fit into a map reduce kind of setup, but I'll have to uh, get together with some people that do a lot of the number crunching and see um, the idea of firing up a Hadoop cluster for a short period of time to run that number crunching in a hurry and then uh, getting your results back uh, is definitely intriguing. It looks like it looks like the uh, framework actually works against your own Hadoop clusters if you run them internally as well. Um, so definitely check that out, uh, MR job. Uh, it's like a cool project. Next up, I went to the Whiskey panel, um, which I kind of got fudged. Someone said it was canceled because of a lack of a moderator, and I left. And then I found out that they ended up having it anyway. So I didn't really get to see much of that. I went to the uh, OpenStack uh, Birds of a Feather. Um, that was kind of cool. I got to ask some questions about the you know EC2 API compatibility and what some of their plans were, and um, definitely seems like OpenStack is uh, here to stay, and they have some good stuff coming up. So um, I will definitely be trying that out when I get my uh, virtual machine test servers at work. They had several guys from the project there, including their community manager, and they were real open to questions. Some people, you know, they kind of went around the room. What are you looking to use OpenStack for? What are you interested in? Um, and they have a lot of answers, and a lot of stuff is coming. It's coming. So um, it's a very, very fast-moving project. Um, there was a gentleman from NASA there who's using, who manages or helps with the uh, cloud instance that they run down there of Nova and Swift, which are the compute and storage sides of OpenStack. So I'm very curious to try it out. Uh, supposedly, it's going to be something that I'm, I'm hoping to really put to use at work. So. After that, Birds of a Feather, there was a Whiskey Birds of a Feather, which I started out hanging out in. Um, they, it was kind of interesting. It was a very, very packed room. Whiskey and, you know, the web in Python is a very, very big thing. And so there was some discussion about um, where things were with Python 3000 or Python 3. 
Um, seems like there's still a lot of challenges left for that, some decisions and some work to be done. Um, there was some discussion about the you know merger with uh, Pylons and Repose.bfg into Pyramid and how best to get the Turbo Gears folks excited, interested in getting over onto the Pyramid stack. As someone who started to work with Pyramid, it definitely seems to solve a lot of the you know, issues that I run into with, with pylons. I'm excited to kind of move forward with it some more. There's still a lot I've got to learn. Uh, it was kind of cool. They had a printed copy of the uh, books here as a self-published book from one of the booksellers. So I, you know, support the group and all that and grabbed a copy. That was a, a nice five pound added weight to the baggage for sure. But anyways, I didn't get to finish that. I had to excuse myself because I had to go do a Skype call with the family before the boy went to bed. So um, I just have to say I love technology. I'm sitting here in the hotel room with my camera talking to my wife and my son, you know, back up in Michigan across the country. Um, thank you, Skype. Thank you, uh, Hyatt, for your completely overpriced Internet package. But it worked and I got to uh, see my family. So very, very cool. And finally, I missed some of the lightning talks because I was in the whiskey birds of the feather and stuff. But uh, evidently, one of them that came out very popular was for a project called Qtile, which is a tiling window manager written all in Python. And so I thought that was really interesting because evidently the um, talk was impressive. And as a tiling window manager, I got to say, I'm one of those that I, I'm tiling or bust. I can't go back. So uh, the birds of a feather unfortunately fell apart. The, uh, the guy that was going to lead it didn't get there um, till late he was posting to twitter that he was trying to get there but uh we only had the room for so long and we had to move along so i think that's going to be rescheduled we'll see how that works out um you know i i'm very happy with my awesome tiling window manager right now but i like the idea of one written in python as a python developer it would be very approachable for me to tweak or add and supposedly it's fairly easy to write your own layouts and things in it with the python so uh have to keep an eye on that but evidently the lightning talk was impressive. So if you saw it, uh, let me know what, what all went on. It seemed like it was a real big deal. If you watched the Twitter feed for the PyCon keyword, um, it took over for a little bit. So, you know, hey, go tiling, man. Heck yeah. So that, holy crap, all that was in one day. And it is now almost 10 o'clock and I'm getting ready to crash because I get to do this again tomorrow. So sweet. A uh, whole lot more stuff coming tomorrow. I'll try to do another recap on day two of PyCon. So until then, this is Rick Harding signing off for a remote Rick. This has been a special presentation of localcast.net live from PyCon with Rick Harding. Tune in for more information from PyCon and check out our website at localcast.net.